0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. The Elite Eight, the eight teams remaining in the playoffs. We'll break down the matchups in the divisional round coming up this weekend. But first, the top plays of 2020. The best five on defense and the best five on special teams, which includes a note about Kylie Fitz you don't want to miss. We'll save offense for next week. Kyle Odegaard, our colleague from azcardinals.com, will join us to help with the countdown. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 386, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
2: Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown.
1: Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Before we get to Kyle,
0: I want to extend our congratulations to Carson Palmer. The former Cardinals quarterback is going into the College Football Hall of Fame, one of 13 inductees in the class of 2021. The ceremony will take place in December Of course, before he arrived with the Cardinals, his college years, five seasons at USC with the big one that final year as a redshirt senior won the Heisman Trophy. So don't question Carson Palmer deserves to be in that College Football Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, if you look at body of work, I mean, highly recruited coming out of high school, um, declares to go to USC, the first pick in the draft, sits his first year behind John Kitna you know, forced his way out of Cincinnati just based on he knew uh, the organization in his mind, wasn't committed, got frustrated. I think he tried to make it work. I mean, they, until that playoff game when he got his knee hurt, they had really good weapons on the outside. The running game, they had a good defense. And we know when Marvin Lewis was there, uh, they they won playoff game or made the playoffs. And then he goes to the Raiders. And I think it's one of the best trades that Steve kind made. We can talk about Chandler Jones and you know, some others, but it was a six-round pick and the fact that he was part of a, a team for five years that won 50 games. Now, he did miss some games, so you you just look at where it started and now he's going in the in the College Hall of Fame and, I um, mean, it's just remarkable. And he's not a guy that self-promotes himself. Um, you know, we know how hard he had to work coming back from those ACLs and, um, you know, how passionate he was when it came to game planning. And that Peter King did a story of how detailed he was uh, all week and then him and Arians would sit down on Saturday night and figure out what's going to work and we know that offense was explosive so good congratulations to him um, probably a better person off the field than he was a football player just based on stuff that he did and nobody knew about it absolutely I'll 100% agree with you on that when he arrived wasn't sure
0: exactly what we were going to get in terms of You know, star quarterback coming in, just how accessible, how available, how personable was he going to be? He was unbelievable. Yes, you speak once a week, but if you needed something or just wanted to chat, he was always around. And the one big moment was when the team lost the NFC Championship game at Carolina. Next morning, clean out your locker day. Palmer spoke that morning. And I was stunned beyond belief because typically it's hard to find any players, let alone the starting quarterback, to speak at the end of a season and a season that ended so disappointing just one game short of the Super Bowl.
2: I remember when he addressed the media after the game. And, of course, nobody wants to turn the ball over six times. Um, You know, Cardinals benefited when Jake DeLone did that. But, uh, yeah, and you remember who was in the locker room with him? His son. That's right. Helping him empty out his locker.
0: That's right. I do remember that. And then he spoke after he tore his ACL as well.
2: No, it was either the me. next
0: day or a couple of days later, and they were like, what are, you, what are you doing? I mean, he's like... He, he,
2: he came in the press room.
0: Yes. He yeah. was very disappointed, uh, very emotional as well, but uh, couldn't ask for anything better from the player and, of course, the person. And we know Palmer also in the Cardinals ring of honor as well. Well-deserved. Considering what he did during those five years with the Cardinals getting into the postseason.
2: Well, uh, to bottom line, it he he did he did everything the right way. Correct.
0: That's a perfect sentiment to talk about Carson Palmer, the former Cardinals quarterback. Bird gang update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com/slash app for more. All right. As promised, Kyle joining us here to discuss the top plays defense. Then we'll segue into special teams on today's show, but uh, let's get into the best plays of the defense. And overall, Kyle, I think the defense certainly performed better than we all anticipated here this past season.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Obviously, all the attention was on the offense and what it was going to do with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And to me, I felt like the defense just had to kind of hold up, be an average to a little bit below average defense, and this team would be okay. Turns out I thought they were better than average this season. They were number 10 in football outsiders, DVOA, defensive efficiency. so, yeah, I feel like the defense certainly pulled its weight, even though you lost Chandler Jones, you lost Corey Peters, Jordan Phillips. I mean, that side of the ball took some hits. I think Vance Joseph and those players did a nice job. Yeah,
0: and it certainly is a reflection on what we saw this season as far as the top five plays by Vance Joseph's unit. Let's go with number five. Buda Baker's first career interception. It happened on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys and It happened with a cast on his hand, Kyle, after he had thumb surgery.
1: Yeah, and that was really the one knock on Buda Baker, right? Like, he was a great player for his first couple seasons, and he didn't have an interception through his first 50 games, I think we all knew it was only a matter of time before he got his hand on the ball because he's always around the ball. He might not have elite ball skills like a Tyron Matthew or what we've seen with Byron Murphy, but Buda Baker doesn't have stone hands by any means. So once he got that that play, I think he did a nice job breaking on that ball, coming up with it, like you said, with a cast on his hand. And
2: it was good for him to get off that schneid. Yeah, when they announced that he was the highest paid safety in football, within like a couple minutes, they were like, this guy doesn't have an interception yet? (laughs) Now, he did have a scoop and score, and he tells us he did uh, pick off Lamar Jackson in the Pro Bowl, but that doesn't count. But it it was just a matter of time. I mean, the way he's around the ball, the way they use him, uh, he can line up uh, in the slot, he can line up on the outside, he can cover down the field, so... You know, Craig and I have been talking about this for the last couple of days, and, you know, depending on what happens with Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones in the future, I think he's going to become the face of the defense.
0: The interception was a pass intended for Amari Cooper, the fourth of four takeaways by the defense in that game. Baker, by the way, finished with seven tackles, one sack, one interception, and one forced fumble. Earned him NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors for the first time in his career. And, oh, by the way... The night before, he received the C on his uniform because Chandler Jones out for the season. The defense wanted to have another captain, and they named Buda Baker that captain for the remainder of the season. We will have another appearance by Buda Baker here momentarily, but the fourth best play by the defense in 2020. It happened in week one, Kyle. Byron Murphy with the pass breakup against the 49ers to help seal that win, the first win of the year.
1: Yeah, most of these on the list are takeaways or sacks, things like that. This was just an incompletion, but like you said, at the time of the game, it was so important. 49ers had a fourth and five at the Cardinals' 16-yard line, and they were down by a four. So obviously, if they get a touchdown there, they very likely win that game, and it all kind of came down to that play. And Byron Murphy, I thought, did a really nice job of breaking on that pass. As a rookie, maybe he sat back a little bit, and wasn't ready uh, to, to break on an out route like that. But he trusted himself, realized that they might be going toward the sticks on fourth down. I think the pass was a little bit behind Trent Taylor. It wasn't the greatest pass, but even so, Byron Murphy did a nice job on that play, and it really wrapped up a, a very impressive win looking back. like That was arguably one of the top three victories of this season for the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, you know, considering they went toe to toe with them the year before, unfortunately they lost both games, but they are in position uh, both times. The Niners got a late score in one of those games, but I thought it set the tone. You know, obviously, you know they come home and host the Washington football team. You're thinking, all right, you're looking at the Lions. Uh, Matt Patricia's on the, you know, his job is on the line. Then they're going to Carolina. and I'm thinking, man. We all talked about this team needed a a good start because the second half, you're going to play four division games. You're going to have to make some East Coast road trips. But, you know, I thought it set the tone early on until that Carolina game. I'm glad, MJ, you brought up last year
0: or the year before against the 49ers because it was week 11. The 49ers scored with 37 seconds left, and now you flip it a year later and the defense does get that end-of-game stop. And then more importantly, Kyle, I know you wrote about it on azcardinals.com. In week one, you saw the growth from year one to year two of Byron Murphy.
1: Yeah, I think Byron Murphy showed that he's a guy who is worthy of being that second round pick and being the first pick of the second round. Um, He's somebody who still isn't perfect defensively, but corner is such an important position. And the Cardinals have a lot of question marks on the outside at corner now with Patrick Peterson being an impending free agent, Drake Kirkpatrick uh, impending free agent. But it's good to know that you have Byron Murphy in the slot playing well, and he should just continue to grow because he has the tools. He was a little bit raw coming out, and I think he's going to make another jump next season.
2: Yeah, you can just see the way he attacks the ball, his his cover skills. And when you're covering these slot corners, we know they're on the crossing routes and, and they're on the slant routes. And if they, if they face the defensive back, then they're going to get it yards after catch. I like the way he tackles in the open field. And I think, you know, just from talking to Vance like we all did during the season – um, You can see the confidence was there. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with playing his natural position. So we're curious to see how that shakes out because you need two corners and you need a slot corner. But I thought, you know, last year, I mean, he may have given up eight or nine touchdowns. I mean, it, we always talk about it at one point. And Cliff talked about it. He was covering Julio Jones. And that's just not a great matchup. And we know there was some miscommunication until, you know, late in the season. So I think from a confidence standpoint, I think he's playing more free. And I don't think he's thinking as he's reacting now. And you can just see the physical attributes that he has. Might have been the best consistent corner for all season for the Arizona
0: Cardinals in 2020. As we continue here, our top five countdown for best defensive plays in this past season. Number three, and once again, Buda Baker shows up. Maybe would have been a little bit higher on the list if he was able to completely complete the play. The near pick six as he gets caught from behind by DK Metcalf, again, it's week seven against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night football. Russell Wilson, by the way, and this is a uh, stat from uh, Mike Helm, stat whiz, as we call them here on Cardinals Cover 2. Wilson had attempted 251 consecutive pass attempts without an interception against the Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. Cardinals had just fumbled the ball. Seahawks took over at the Arizona 37, excuse me, the Arizona 31, and we're leading 13-7. to It's early in the game, Kyle, but you allow the Seahawks to score there, and maybe you don't overcome that deficit, but a huge stop by the Cardinals' defense and Buda Baker.
1: Yeah, I think this is certainly the most memorable defensive play of the season. I doubt anybody would debate that with everything that went into it. Uh, First of all, I think we need to give serious props to Buda Baker because it sounds like that Chris Carson was not even his guy on that play. The Cardinals defensively were a little bit mixed up on what was going on. And I think Russell Wilson saw that. And that's why he lofted that pass so high because he thought he had a walk-in touchdown. And instead, Buda Baker read it, made a great play. And I think we all thought that was a pick six as much of a lead he had on everybody. Once he got past Russell Wilson, I said, okay, nobody's catching Buda Baker and then here comes DK Metcalf, like a freaking locomotive, 250 pounds, running a 4-3, like just an absolute freak of nature. And, you know, Buddha Baker after the game saying, oh, he hawks me, I can't believe it. And and the great Mike up of him just can't figure out how somebody caught him. Just an unbelievable play by Buda Baker and DK Metcalf, even though it's the Seahawks, it's a serious rival. I think everybody has to tip their cap to the play that DK Metcalf made there. And it saved seven points because the Cardinals didn't score on that possession, even though they were so close to the end zone. So really two phenomenal plays overall but looking at it from the Cardinals standpoint you're right Craig even though they didn't score Buda Baker saved seven points on the other end because I think it was first and goal at the three like Seattle was probably going to score a
2: touchdown on that possession and you go back to the first game against the Seahawks I mean that was when Russell Wilson started to turn the football over and he kind of went into a slump where in the month of September he was he was in that MVP conversation with everyone else and you know the Cardinals were able to get to him and um, anytime you can get turnovers against uh, the Seahawks in a short field, you, you hope you're going to win that game. But I, I thought that was the game they were able to pressure Russell Wilson for the first time in a long time to where he's turning the ball over usually. And he doesn't normally have red zone turnovers. You know, he normally, um, you know, depending on if they're going to run it when they get down there with, with Schottenheimer, but then he normally is not a guy that's going to make those ill uh, decisions. And, and I'm glad you pointed out that. It may have been a miscommunication and Buddha's instincts was able to jump the route and run for the, uh, down the field.
0: 90 yard return. He needed eight more yards for the pick (laughs) six. And I think we can all joke about it with Baker now because one, the Cardinals did win. And it's certainly, I think the single greatest effort play that I have ever seen live talking about DK Metcalf, because as we're watching Baker run towards the end zone all of a sudden there's this other colored jersey that's tracking him <laughs> from behind catching him and then tackling him and I'm like wow that just really happened and you le- you're left with okay what was more impressive the interception or the play by Metcalf
1: I think it's uh, amazing that Buda Baker is he runs a four or five like that's really really fast Patrick Peterson probably runs a 4-4-5 four, four, or a 4-5 at this point in his career. And both those guys are running full speed. And DK Metcalf was just a blur, like easily tracking down Buda Baker. Unbelievably impressive play. And, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it has to be that good of a play for us to be talking about a Seahawk for this long. But I think DK Metcalf deserves it, man. There's just a, a great play. And all the memes that resulted from oh, it were uh, pretty high quality as
2: well. Yeah. And listen, we all three were at the combine and and a knock on on Metcalf was a one trick pony, but we knew he had speed and he wasn't wasn't very productive in college. He had a neck injury, but uh, obviously a lot of teams passed him, including the Seahawks twice. But that shouldn't have surprised us. Uh, I didn't know who was chasing him at first. And I'm getting I'm thinking, man, this guy can run a four three (laughs) and a four three next to a four five. You're going to catch him. And that's what happened.
0: A physical freak talking about DK Metcalf. All right, enough of the Seahawks talk here. Let's (laughs) focus back on the Cardinals. The second best defensive play of 2020, and it belongs to Hassan Reddick. The strip sack, which was the fifth and final sack of his day against the New York Giants, Week 14. By the way, that was the second sack on that drive and the fourth sack in the fourth quarter and the five sacks setting a franchise single-game record. He also had three forced fumbles, six quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, and yes, he was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. So the entire game was a defensive effort by Hassan Reddick.
1: Yeah, I know it's, you know, plays of the year individual, so that's why we kind of chose the fifth one, but it's really a, a recognition of the way he played through that throughout that entire game. You know, such a breakout performance for Hassan Redick, and we talked about it at the time, but how nice it was to see him rewarded for all his hard work. A guy who was a first-round pick, who didn't pan out at all at inside linebacker, and he came in as a backup outside backer thinking maybe he would play in pass rush situations only, but that game really springboarded him to becoming, hey, the the number four player in sacks in the entire NFL on the season, just a great year. And that play in particular I think kind of summed it up because he has this special speed on the edge where it's almost Von Miller esque where he can really get around guys because of his athleticism and Andrew Thomas, the giants tackle just had a really tough time keeping him in check the whole way. And on this player in particular, he ducked right under him, got the sack and the forced fumble is important too. I mean, if you can get the sack, that's great. But anytime you jar that ball loose, it's even better. And Chandler Jones has done that really well the last couple seasons and Reddick showed it too, where he had six on the season. I think that that play was a good microcosm of how dominant he was against the Giants.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he put up numbers in one game that guys probably couldn't put up in a month. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the force fumbles, the sacks. The thing is, when you when you look at Hassan Reddick, though, the games I want to say through seven through eleven did not have a sack. Correct. And didn't have a quarterback hit. So maybe he was pressing a little bit, but we know that they're, they're taught to to reach for the ball. And I don't think he gets enough credit for his speed. And once he's able to figure it out, because last year he said he was over-pursuing at times late in the year when they put him out there. Um, and again, they're going to have to make some decisions here because, you know, Reddick's going to be a free agent. Uh, we know the cap's going down. Golden's going to be a free agent. At least they own the rights to Dennis Gardick. So it um, be interesting to see if there's a market out there. We know, you know, pass rushers aren't growing on trees, but is it a one-year deal to prove it again? Maybe one year, $8 million somewhere else, or the Cardinals try to retain him? Um, It's going to be interesting because he definitely showed his upside. And to me, um, in this system, he can flourish. Yeah,
0: 12 and a half sacks and certainly the forced fumbles, tackles for loss. He finished in the top five in all three categories, the only player to accomplish that in the National Football League. All right, the number one play on defense in 2020, and I don't think it's a surprise given the stage and given the opponent. Isaiah Simmons and overtime, the interception of Russell Wilson to help set up the game winning field goal. What was so fascinating about this play, Kyle, is not only was it Simmons's first career interception, but he only played five defensive snaps the entire game, and that was his fifth defensive snap.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and if memory serves me right, there might have been an injury to one of the linebackers that made him get on the field, but that's really why you drafted him in the top 10 because he can be up there pretending the blitz. And then if the call is for him to drop into coverage, he's able to get 10 yards downfield into the zone really quickly because of his athleticism and, Russell Wilson was fooled on this play. He thought the all-out blitz was coming, so he tried to throw his hot route. But even in that situation, if it's a less athletic linebacker, maybe he doesn't get there in time and can only deflect it or get in the passing lane, and it's incomplete. And if that happens, the Seahawks punt, and that game probably ends in a tie. But instead, Isaiah Simmons makes this great athletic play and then sets up the Cardinals to win that game, which looking back – Besides the Hale-Murray and the win over Buffalo, that's probably the second highest peak of the season where you got to 5-2 and two going into your bye. You're really excited about what's going on. You just beat the Seahawks. And yeah, a very cool moment for Isaiah Simmons and a little sign of things to come because after that, his role started growing. He started making more impact plays. But to me, that was the first real moment where I said okay this is the potential that Isaiah Simmons can be as a linebacker for the Cardinals
2: and that's kind of probably the one of the first maybe the second time that we got a chance to see that jet package I, I want to say either Hicks or Campbell was out because Vallejo made a tackle uh, in that drive and that it does gets overlooked but I'm just glad he caught it because you're right I mean all the receivers were running the routes and Wilson thought one was going to do it as a hot route and they all were still running and he he was in great position he catches the ball. Um, and, and, and I think if you give him a full off season, get stronger, you know, give him some, the, the entire OTAs, the mandatory minicamp, and a couple preseason games, he will be the starting inside linebacker next to Jordan Hicks, and he'll be a three-down backer that can do a lot of different things. And you look at him and Buddha, the position flexibility can really help this defense, and they're young, and, they're, you know, you could just see they, ha- they haven't reached their peak yet, obviously, for Simmons.
0: By the way, Simmons' first career interception and first career sack both coming against the Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson. All right, quickly recap. The top five plays defensively by the Cardinals in 2020. Number five, Buda Baker's first career interception against the Cowboys. Byron Murphy's pass breakup to seal the win week one against the 49ers. Number three, Buda Baker almost picked six as he was caught from behind by DK Metcalf. Hassan Reddick's five-sack day against the New York Giants we highlighted that fifth and final sack, the forced fumble that he caused. And then number one, Isaiah Simmons' overtime interception against the Seahawks that helped set up the game-winning field goal. All
2: right. So we all love Dennis Gardek. I mean, seven sacks and 93 s- uh, snaps. And I had Gardek with uh, number four. With those inside moves against the Jets, I'm shocked because he was kind of one of the bright spots. But when you start mentioning Hassan Reddick, who obviously had a better year, um you know, you look at Byron Murphy. We know they set the tone for the first game of the year, and then obviously Baker getting his first interception. So Dennis Gardeck didn't make the cut.
0: I, <laughs> yeah, the, I had the, him. At, the, I had him at number five, MJ, and I I took away. Baker's first career interception just because he was already in the top five and I was like you know, I wanted to reward Dennis Gardak for what what is able to do especially that game against the Jets he had never played defense at all during his entire career and all of a sudden he gets two sacks uh, with Chandler Jones on the sidelines.
1: The top three moments were pretty unanimous, basically, yes. in everybody's top five. The last two, Byron Murphy's pass breakup and Buda Baker's first interception, they sneaked in there, but Gardeck was a candidate. Patrick Peterson interception against the Bills. Marcus Golden had a interception and a sack that were both in the mix. So a lot of uh, different voting at the four and five spots, but Murphy and Baker edged out Gardeck and Peterson and Golden and all those guys.
0: Well, if you want to see all five of those plays, just go to azcardinals.com. Kyle's got a story up, plus each of the individual highlights as well. All right, as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, let's switch over to special teams and the top five special teams plays of 2020. Number five might be my most favorite play because we still don't really have an answer on Kylie Fitz's kick fumble. At the New York Giants, week 14, Cardinals kicking off after a Mike Nugent field goal to make it 6-0, and the question is, Kyle, was it intentional? This is where we missed film room in 2020, because we needed Kylie Fitz to answer the question. Yes, he was blocked from behind, maybe it was more of a national instinct to lift up his right leg towards the ball, but intentional or not? If it's intentional, that's a penalty, so my guess is it was not intentional.
1: I'll give you a uh, Cardinals cover two exclusive right here because I, I didn't talk to Kylie Fitz, but I talked to Jeff Rogers a couple weeks ago. This didn't make it into my story, but I asked him about that play. He said, you don't, it's not a teaching point. You don't teach somebody to kick the ball out. And it was (laughs) unintentional. Just fortuitous for the Cardinals that Kylie Fitz uh, did get his foot in there, and you're right, he just kind of got blocked, and his foot came up and and popped the ball right out uh, from Dion Lewis. And Trent Sherfield made a, a nice play to jump on it. It seemed like Trent Sherfield, no matter if the ball is on the ground within a foot or five feet of him, he's going to be the guy jumping on it. But uh, a fortuitous play for the Cardinals, and then and then a nice play by Trent Sherfield.
0: Second, yeah, reco- you know, second fumble recover, MJ, for uh, Sherfield by the way, in as many weeks. He was always around the football.
2: Yeah, and we always talk about, you know, Gardak and Sherfield and Zeke Turner on special teams, and here's Kali Fitz. You know, obviously, if we, when you're going to dress on game day, you know, get a chance to play a little outside linebacker, um, you're going to have to, you know, play on teams, and that's probably why he's still on the roster. And, you know, he's a good depth guy. So good to see him have some success where he's not getting a ton of playing time on defense.
0: All right, as we continue here, top five plays on special teams. Number four, Zeke Turner, who we'll talk about more as we count down but the blocked punt against the Eagles happened in the first quarter Cardinals ahead nine to nothing and it was a block that helped set up Chase Edmonds' six yard touchdown catch that made it 16 nothing at the 218 mark of the first quarter at that point I think we all anticipated a blowout win for the Cardinals over the Eagles didn't happen that way but once again Zeke Turner uh Johnny on the spot if you will
1: Yeah, I think if we named a special teams player of the year, it would be unanimous for Zeke Turner with all the plays he made. And he's going to be a a notable name on this list coming up too. But I think the play against the Eagles, I think he said he wasn't even touched on that one. So that might have just been an issue of what Philadelphia did with their punt kicking team but even so it's it's always kind of dicey because when you get in there you know you have to get a part of the ball if you're going to run into the kicker or run into the punter because it's a flag if you don't so I think a lot of guys are hesitant in those situations they don't want to get the penalty but Zeke Turner realized I can block this punt and he did a nice job of really going all out for it and There were about six Cardinals running after it. If it doesn't go out of bounds, they easily scoop that up and and get a touchdown on special teams. But like you said, they scored and we didn't know it at the time that that touchdown would be so important. But considering the Cardinals were up 16-0, that game was tied at 26 a couple hours later. So that pump pump block turned
2: out to be really important for that victory. Yeah. And you wonder if if Jeff Rogers was able to see something during the week, because sometimes uh, you know, the. They're planning to return in, in this case. I mean, and and I got to think that guy has the authority if they see a certain formation to do that and make sure everyone knows about it. So that's why yeah, I think we're all like uh, Jeff Rogers, assistant head coach, special teams guy. Um, I think, you know, he wants to get the, uh, the return units a little bit better next year or this year. But for the most part, I mean, that's stuff you watch during the week. And if you feel like you got an angle, go for it. Because, you know, they work on stuff every week, but we don't see it until the game comes.
0: Number three on our top five plays of special teams, Zane Gonzalez, game-winning field goal against the Seahawks. Again, we're talking about week seven. This was really redemption for Gonzalez, who had missed from 41 yards earlier in overtime that would have won it. So here he gets a second chance, and he sent the game into overtime with a 44-yard field goal as time expired. So uh, it was one of those games, Kyle, where we were cheering Zane and then booing Zane and then cheering (laughs) him again. And what stands out is he received a game ball but was kind of reluctant in accepting that because he got a second chance to really win that game for the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, and when he missed that first overtime kick, I think we – all of us doubted whether the Cardinals would even get the ball back because it felt like the Seahawks were going to march into field goal range and, and score and get the win. So going back to Isaiah Simmons with that great interception, and that was the big play, but yep. the work certainly wasn't done at that point. The Cardinals had to move the ball a little bit and get Zane Gonzalez in range, and then he had to make that kick. And it wasn't, wasn't a short one, like you said, Craig, and important for him to kick it through right after he missed one, and he was able to, to turn around and make it. And obviously, that was a clutch kick that he converted. And then later in the season, he missed some of those type of kicks and then got hurt. So definitely a a mixed bag of a season for Zane Gonzalez. But this was probably the highlight where he
2: he helped his team beat the Seahawks in a very important game. Well, the one prior to that, we're both sitting in the press box and we're watching and we're watching. and We're like, this thing is not long enough. And then he looked, he literally, I didn't know until a couple of weeks later, he literally looked at Brewer or Andy Lee and said, I don't know what happened. They're like, okay. I mean, it was, I just, I just remember sitting in the press box next to Craig and I'm like, okay, okay. And then boom. So yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, when you're in the NFL, you got close games and give Mike Nugent a lot of credit um, because he came in and gave this team a lift. I think we were somewhat concerned about his kickoffs. That wasn't an issue. Maybe he doesn't kick 55 yarders, but at least it was consistent from his part. So, you know, I, he's what, 37, 38 years old. So I, I still think they believe in Zane, by the way. uh Kyle, did
0: I hear you correctly? You use the word clutch with respects to Zane Gonzalez. I, I thought the analytics didn't really believe in, in clutch.
1: There, there can be clutch moments. There's not a clutch gene. So <laughs> it, it was it was a clutch kick right there because I already know the result, but I'm not going to say that somebody
2: is going to make or miss because of a certain gene. Right. So, okay, Kyle, did they get momentum from the Simmons interception?
1: No, they didn't get any momentum, but they got a they got the ball back with a chance to win.
0: Speaking of momentum, at least you're
1: consistent. Us,
0: it leads us to <laughs> our number two special teams play of 2020, Zeke Turner with the first of his two block punts this past season, but this was a block punt against the 49ers in week one. The setup, the Cardinals trail 10-0, just five minutes into the game. 49ers scored on their first two possessions. On their third possession, though, they go three and out. And Turner rushes up the middle, blocks the punt. Gardeck recovers. And then on the very next play, Kyler Murray throws a 10-yard touchdown pass to Chase Edmonds. And as we said that day, turned the game around completely. And as the broadcast said as well, Dave Ron Wolfley changed the momentum of
1: the game. (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, at 10 zero against the defending NFC champions on the road. And at that point, San Francisco had pretty much everybody healthy. I think Debo Samuel and Brandon, Ayuk didn't play in that game, but right. that defense was full go a, a, a defense that was super elite the season before. And that was a game that looked really bad for the first five minutes or so when you're already down 10 0 and, I was thinking, okay, are they going to get blown out in this game? And then Ezekiel Turner comes up with this fantastic play, um, Cardinals score, and then they're back in it. Then it's 10-7, and you're settling in, and you feel like, okay, we're not going to get blown out. So I do think from an emotional standpoint, that did help settle them down. I don't know if the Cardinals got any momentum from it, but they certainly went from down 10 to down three in a heartbeat, and
2: that helped them come back and win. Yeah, I remember that first game, and I, I don't know if that's what Kyle Shanahan thought of Isaiah Simmons. Remember those first couple of plays? He targeted him, and they had like a fifty-six yard touchdown, was it? You know, I. But after that, you know, things settled down. But you could see, uh, you know, knowing that where's he going to play? Is he an inside? Is he a safety? But they targeted Isaiah Simmons on those first couple of drives, and advantage Kyle Shanahan.
0: All right. So that leaves us with one last play, and that would be Andy Lee's fake punt pass to once again, Zeke Turner against the Eagles. Perfect execution here. The offense had stalled. It was 30 and out. So you're looking at a fourth and two at your own 33 yard line of a 26-26 game was still basically the entire fourth quarter left, and Lee throws a 26-yard pass to Turner to keep the drive going. The drive didn't result in any points, but it flipped field position. Defense got a three and out, and then the offense responded with the game-winning touchdown Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah. And like Mike said earlier, Jeff Rogers does a really good job of drilling down during the week and figuring out weaknesses on the other special teams unit. And they clearly felt like this was a play that would be open and they could make it work because that's a really pivotal spot in a game, early fourth quarter tie game. If this ball falls incomplete, you give the Eagles possession at the Cardinals 33 yard line, and you're already in field goal range to start that series. So A lot of guts being shown on that play, and it was, I think, fourth and two, so you could have done a a fake punt run in that situation when you only need two yards, and that would make sense to a lot of people. Instead, they believed that Andy Lee could throw a perfect pass 26 yards down the field to a linebacker who hadn't caught a pass since high school, (laughs) and the thing that stood out to me, it just looked so smooth. It looked like Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, the pass was perfect. Zeke Turner looked over his shoulder and hauled in the catch and kept on running. I mean, the execution was just flawless. And that's what stood out to me the most. Those two guys really did a great job. And that's not part of their job description to throw the pass and to catch the pass. Uh, But they both did it. And like you said, it didn't end up in points. But the downside of falling incomplete on that was huge. And Catching it, you figured that they were in a really good spot offensively and it did bog down, but it gave them a huge lift at that point in the game.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, I mean, you know, the the Cardinals, it just seemed like there were so many games that if they would have had a turnover here and there, um, probably the record would have been a little bit different, but I got to think, you know, they work on that in practice and it, it's, to me, it's based on down and distance what you see and you make the call and you're like, okay, is he going to throw a nice little spiral and is this guy going to catch it? Cause that to me, uh, they're not normally used to doing that, but clearly they worked on it. I love to see some of the video, how the passes were in practice is because I mean, it was money and you, you could tell they worked on it. And again, that was a great point in the game to do that. Um, you know, but yeah, I, that, I'm 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 a big Jeff Rogers fan because I I just know that you know we don't talk about special teams enough, and when when things are going bad, that's the first thing we talk about, and then when you see plays like this that actually change games around, that that really shows how much detail they do, and I think he's got to say, you know, I, I know it comes down to, to Steve and Cliff, but I think he's got a little say on some of the back of the roster who he wants to be on special teams. Well, it'll be
0: interesting to see how much say he has because you look at special teams you've got andy lee zane gonzalez mike nugent all unrestricted free agents dennis Gardeck, trent shurfield ezekiel turner all restricted free agents that is your special teams unit right there those six players
2: yeah. And, you know, the thing is, a couple are restricted. And, you know, Sherfield really is more designated or designed to, to be a special teams player. But, you know, Andy Lee's getting up there in age. Um, you know, he was in the same draft class as Larry Fitzgerald. Bolt went to pit. That's how long he's been in the league. Um, you know, he's, he's been consistent. But, you know, sometimes you want to get a younger guy in there and sometimes a left footed punter where the ball's coming off a little bit different. Uh, Aaron Brewer, he's been steady, Eddie. So, I mean, those guys can play for a long time. And I think Nugent's age may, you know, preclude him from being a a long term answer. I know they like Zane, but, you know, we got to find out what's between the ears because he's, you know, if this team's going to be in close games, you have to make those kicks.
0: So let's go over the top five special teams plays of 2020. The Kylie Fitz kick fumble at the Giants. Zeke Turner, block punt against the Eagles. Zane Gonzalez, game-winning field goal against the Seahawks. Zeke Turner, block punt against the 49ers. And the number one play, Andy Lee to Zeke Turner, the fake punt pass against the Eagles, a game the Cardinals would end up winning. By the way, Andy Lee, two of two for 52 yards in his Cardinals career throwing the football. So we talk about the emergency quarterback. Uh, sorry, Patrick Peterson. We're, I'm going with Andy Lee, who is perfect as far as completion percentage when he wears that Cardinals uniform.
1: Yeah, that throw to Farrell Cooper uh, yeah. last season was a really nice play. and That, that was a more intricate fake punt where they yeah. – handed it off a couple times, pitched it back, and then he threw it, and Farrell Cooper made a nice catch. But they – I mean, they've been aggressive on fake punts, and I don't think they've failed yet. They had that one. Chase Edmonds ran for one against the Steelers, and then they had this one this year against the Eagles. So, like you said, Mike, I think Jeff Rogers is one of the better special teams coaches in the NFL. I agree.
0: Good stuff, Kyle. Next show, we'll talk about the top five plays on offense. Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. As we continue here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, MJ, let's talk playoffs, specifically divisional round and what's ahead this weekend as the Cardinals will be watching like everyone else, but they'll be watching the Rams kick things off on Saturday as the Rams, the sixth seed, will visit the Green Bay Packers 235, on Fox. That will kick things off on Saturday. The first of it will be two games and then the first of four games total over two days.
2: Well, it looks like Jared Goff's going to start and he's been the starter pretty much the entire season. He has been and, uh, you know, we'll see hopefully for his sake that Thumb is getting better. I mean, he does have pins in there and I got to think, Craig, they're going to try to run the football. I know it's Easier said than done because that other guy on the sidelines, um, you know, he's the MVP for a reason. And it's not just Devontae Adams. um, It's the running game. It's the play calling. It's the execution. Now, David Bakhtieri's out. That's a huge loss. I was probably – I don't know why they didn't get more love there or more attention because you're talking about a starting left tackle. And according to Pro Football Focus, he's been one of the best over the last few years. And then they go out and bring in Jared Valdir, and now he's on the COVID list so he can't play. Uh, He played for the Colts last week. This guy retired a few times, I thought. Um, And and their defense, um, can they slow the the Packers down? That's going to be the issue. I don't know what the weather is going to look like. Um, But you're going to get two guys that are best friends, and Matt LaFleur and and Sean McVay. They talk every week. This week, they're backing off. Um, So I think they know each other, what they want to do. Uh, but I really – I like the Packers in this game. But, you know, based on the Rams' defense, if they can slow them down, uh, maybe it comes down to a turnover. And, you know, Goff is, you know, if you get pressure on him, um, he will throw one. But you got Robert Woods. They're using their tight ends. They could go more 12 personnel to protect the edges. Um, and don't fall asleep on this Packers' defense. I think Mike Patton's done a really good job there after Dom Capers was there for a long, long time. Mike Patton was a former high school coach and became the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Again, better lieutenant than general. So I think this is going to be a a physical game, and um, we'll we'll see. But I like the Packers. uh, You know, I just – I don't know if they can slow them down. It's a great matchup as far as what the
0: Rams do best, and that is not allowing teams to score. They are the number one scoring defense, allowing 18.5 points per game. And no team is better scoring points than the Green Bay Packers, 31.8. Yet the matchup that I'm excited about outside of Aaron Donald, and even though he's not quite 100%, he says he's fine. He'll be good to go despite some sore ribs. But Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams, that matchup, as excited as I was to see Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins, Adams, as we've talked about here before, doesn't get a lot of the attention as a Hopkins does or a Julio Jones. Yet he is certainly someone that the Packers rely on. And I would guess that Ramsey will shadow Adams maybe 90, 95% of the time on Saturday.
2: Oh, there's no doubt. And that's a great match. And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, when you when you look at the the matchup itself, um, there's numbers out there. Adams 18 touchdowns. Cup and Woods combined 11 touchdowns, and we know how potent that could be in that slot position. And they do move Adams around, but he is also a lot of times on the outside because they can run a post route. They can run a you know um, he's Aaron can make the throw from the opposite hash mark across the field. So, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. And, and again, I agree with you. Um, that's what the playoffs, when you get to this point, you take your number one corner and you put them on the number one wide receiver. And Adams, to me, uh, we always talk about Julio, Mike Thomas, Hop. Um, there's some other guys uh, that should be in that same conversation. I noticed um, when pro football focus ranked their wide receivers, Hop was ranked seventh overall, seventh overall. And we know the numbers, maybe the lack of touchdowns only had six. A lot of, like We're talking about Adams, 18 touchdowns. So, But, yeah, I, I get that. Now, the, the thing is, though, it's interesting, and we'll get into the Browns game, early game on Sunday. Two six seeds, the Rams and the Browns. Now, the six seeds have reached the conference championship game, Tennessee, Green Bay, Jets, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. And a few of those teams went on to win the Super Bowl Green Bay in 2010 and Pittsburgh in 2005. So um, the Cardinals were a four seed uh, when they uh, went to the uh, Super Bowl. And, you know, and, and they had to play on the road pretty much every week they didn't, unless they got to the conference championship game. So it looks like, you know, if the one or two seeds don't lose, well, the Rams would be out then if they lose. But, it's interesting that you could see another two one of the two six seeds playing in the next round. Now clearly on paper they're not favorites.
0: No, but I certainly could see the Rams pulling an upset on Saturday at the Packers and again that's the game first on Saturday and that will be followed By Ravens at Bills, Baltimore the 5 seed, Buffalo the 2 seed, Six fifteen is the kickoff on NBC. Baltimore's won 6 in a row, Buffalo 7 in a row, but everyone's going to be focused on the two quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, two of the top quarterbacks to come at a 2018 draft class. Jackson at number 32, Allen number 7. And I know you're a little bit biased in this matchup, so I'll agree with you. I think the Bills win this contest.
2: Um, this isn't broadcast in Western New York, is it? <laughs> are you going to, are you going to do a 180 on me here? Well, I mean, you're asking me to pick the game. I, I like the Ravens in this game. Wow. Even though
0: forecast calls for snow for Saturday nights in Buffalo and Lamar Jackson admitted he has never played in that kind of weather so that is also something to pay attention to
2: true and the bills will have you know fans there and even though it's you know a whole 60 or sixty five thousand, you could still hear them um and those listen i now if you want to go back to games in baltimore they've had major downpours and yeah. greg roman mentioned earlier in the week that you know i'd rather play in snow than pouring down rain because you know it, does the offense have an advantage or the defense? Cause the offense knows where they're going. The defense has got a back pedal. So no, I like the way the Ravens are playing. Um, I, I think Josh Allen definitely is, is worthy of you know, being in the MVP conversation like Lamar was when he won it. Um, I think the bills are, you know, they've been building for something and, you know, we'll see my, I guess I'm saying that can they win another playoff game? Cause now you're getting down to the nitty gritty and, and, and on paper, you would think they would face the Chiefs uh, in the AFC Championship game. But for some reason, I like the Ravens in this game, and I don't know if the Ravens' defense gets enough credit.
0: All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see if uh, Mike Jarecki loses this one. He might not be allowed back home to Western New York, but uh, we'll have to see about that here. Okay, Um, I'm
2: rooting for the Bills, but I'm picking (laughs) the Ravens. How's that?
0: All right. Fair enough. Again, Saturday, the two games up first, Rams at Packers, followed by Ravens at Bills.
2: Now, speaking of that, it's been talked about all week. All four starting quarterbacks remaining in the AFC are under the age of 26. The first time ever that all four starting quarterbacks in one conference and divisions are under the age of 26. Josh Allen's 24, Lamar Jackson's 24, Patrick Mahomes 25, and Baker Mayfield 25, which you're going to get into those games coming up here.
0: Now, the flip side of all that is over on the <laughs> NFC, you have Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. They've combined for eight Super Bowl victories. Of course, Brady has six of those. So Details. you have the young guard and the old guard, and we'll see what happens. But the other matchup out of the AFC, you brought up Baker Mayfield, the Browns, the sixth seed. This is on Sunday now, Bird Gang. Browns at Chiefs, 1:05 p.m. on CBS, and the big question is, can Cleveland continue this run? Of course, standing in their way is the defending Super Bowl champions.
2: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are going to look at, you know, the Chiefs. uh, I think they're one. They won six games with one score or less. They haven't blown teams out. You know, I think Tony Dungy had the recipe where. You got to try to keep them in the pocket. Um, we know that, you know, with the, they can run the ball. They got a really good offensive line. They got guys that can stretch the field. They got a great tight end in Travis Kelsey. Um, Cleveland, uh, it's a great story. Uh, they're going to run the football. Just what we were talking about with the Rams. They got a, probably the one best one-two punch in football with, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And they're going to get Joe Pantonio back. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's going to get back there. Um, their defense, you know, Miles Garrett is worthy of picking the first pick in the draft. So, again, can they slow him down? Um, I don't think both teams play in cold weather, so that shouldn't be a factor. Now, it's a big spot for Baker Mayfield, um, and he's he's played in big games now towards the end of the season, even though they did lose in week 17. Um but I like the Chiefs in this game. I just think they're, they're they've been battle tested. It's the really the first time the Browns in a long time. And give them credit because I don't think they're gonna, uh, you know, be in a drought for a long time here. I think they make the postseason again next year. Uh, obviously, when when teams win, you lose free agents and stuff like that because other teams want those players. But I like the Chiefs in this game against the Browns. I do too. I just think
0: they've got too much firepower, despite the fact that this note Patrick Mahomes will have gone 20 days between games. They did not Mm -hmm. play, obviously, in the first round. And then he sat in week 17, as most teams do. They rest their starters when they know their seating is secure. So is there going to be rust? Who knows? But, uh, again, that game kicks off at 105. And then the second game of the doubleheader on Sunday, the fourth and final game. Everyone really looking forward to this because we get Brady and Breeze part three. Buccaneers at the Saints 440 on Fox now New Orleans beat Tampa Bay twice in the regular season can they beat them a third time and it's always difficult for a third time and I'll say this the Buccaneers they've been playing very very well since they last lost their ball game and the offense has turned it around as well no more talking about Bruce Arians and Tom Brady not getting
2: along yeah precisely yeah now, Arians has been doing interviews this week, and, and he basically said, you know, when you play a division game, and he's been there two years now, you're familiar with your opponent. Um, but he thinks things got out of hand early in that game with penalties. And so he, he says, you know, Lattimore is going to cover Mike Evans. Uh, we know that matchup. Chris Godwin is getting better. Um, he had the finger injury, then he was on COVID. Um, Ronald Jones, they call Rojo there. He's probably going to be your featured back. They've been rolling with Leonard Fournette. We know Gronk's part of that. Um, So, and Scotty Miller's kind of like Andy Isabella, but he plays more. He's got he got to top off the defense. Um, I just I just feel the Saints they've been knocking on the door, and you know controversial call, and and this is going to be for Drew Brees, and you know Brady's still going to play next year. Um, I kind of like the Bucks in this game, um, but I I I think it's going to be a a tight game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And again, uh, I think both teams can put up points based on their offense and their play calling. Um, But I like the Bucs in this game, um, just from a standpoint of Todd Bowles and his defense. I I think they can slow him down. I don't think they can shut him down, but I think they can slow him down. So I'm going to go with the Bucs, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints win.
0: Well, the Buccaneers looked better a week ago in their win, even though it was a bit of a struggle against Washington. And the Saints, they didn't really pull away from the Bears until the second half. So... Momentum, if you will, with apologies to our uh, guest earlier on the show, Kyle Odegaard. I do like where Tampa Bay is right now.
2: Well, some people think this is the best weekend in football because now, you know, we got we got four games and then we got two games and one game. So it's seven games left in the season. And, you know, usually the cream rises to the top. But I'll, I'll say this, though. I mean, it, you know, when you get to this point, just look at the quarterbacks and the head coaches' combination. Yes, Matt LaFleur walked into a good situation. Arians moving on from Jameis Winston to get Tom Brady. Um, But the other guys, they've been in the same uh, system for a couple of years. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. And I think there's a reason why when you look at these teams, uh, that's why they're playing in the postseason. Eight
0: teams remain at the end of this weekend. We'll be down to four. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Once again, thanks to our colleague Kyle Odegaard joining us to talk about the top five plays on defense and special teams. Next show, we'll bring Kyle back to talk about the top five plays on offense. Also, as always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.